suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today we introduce Murder, Just a Shot Away, Part 4. You know, and taking up the ideas expressed by uh, sociologist, philosopher Karl Popper, the so-called paradox of freedom is the argument that freedom, in, in, in the sense of absence of any constraining control whatsoever, can only lead to very great restraint, since it makes the bully completely free to enslave the meek. And bullies recognize only one thing, superior force. It is in the nature of a bully to terrorize the weak. We know this from a young age. We've seen it on school playgrounds. And to stop that from happening, to protect the young, the old, the infirm, and yes, the meek, we must be willing to establish a power strong enough to restrain the bully. And here's what what I learned at a young age, at around age 9 or 10. You kick that bully in the nuts, he's far less likely to try to beat you up again. By his cowardly nature, he'll be drawn towards some weaker kid whom he can more easily beat up who won't fight back. As on the playground... As in society, stop the violence, restrain the bully. And the cool thing is, once the bully recognizes a force you know, superior to himself, which threatens only the likes of him, his inner coward will take control and he will harm no one because he's very fearful. And in return, everyone else is safe from his harm. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's not excessive force. That's the establishment of sufficient force. Sufficient force to keep a bully in line. It's like electricity. Sure, electricity can kill you. But used properly, it cooks your food. It heats your house. And someday in the future, it may even power your car. A version of this concept is clearly expressed in Plato without the electric car part. But less well-known is the paradox of tolerance. Unlimited tolerance, which is where we are in America today, unlimited tolerance must lead and can only lead to the disappearance of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance, even to those whom are intolerant, should we submit to the intolerant? If we're not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed. We will be destroyed and tolerance with us. This is a terrible situation to be in. But, but let's go back. Before, before we tackle murder, mass shootings, rape and rampage, let's sidetrack to a lesser deviancy to show just how this tolerance intolerance factor is coming into play. And this lesser deviancy is growing. It's a malignancy 
that has metastasized in only a few years, such that it, it engenders the quality of life in every city in which misguided pathological altruism, something I'll refer to simply to save time as MPA, misguided pathological altruism. It has allowed homelessness to fester to the detriment of the general populace. I mean, how, how bad is it? Well, first of all, I hate any principle established by anecdote. Yet I feel compelled to make an exception for myself here. It's easy to do this when, when you're telling your own story and no one can stop you. But I beg some solicitude here. A bit of a runway, if you will. I am, I am fully aware. Nietzsche once issued a caution. You know, when I, whenever I climb, I remember I am being followed by a dog named Ego. Still, I pursue this anecdote. By way of, of illustration, a group of homeless people might camp out on your street, urinate or defecate on your property, or as as in my case, a young, one young male just decided to unfurl um, a decrepit sleeping bag and camp for the night just outside my front door on my front lawn. I mean, this is a problem. And it's a bit unnerving to wake up and to see someone in a sleeping bag on your lawn just a few feet from your front door. Was he dead? Well, I better find out. Well, as it turns out, he wasn't dead. No, no, he was far from dead. When I approached the sleeping bag upon my discovery in the morning, this vagrant whipped out a razor blade. Okay, yeah. Deciding that a 911 call was the superior option to testing my manhood, you know, my toxic masculinity, if you prefer, prefer by taking on a man wielding a razor from a sleeping bag on my lawn. You know, I do, I do at all times try to be rational. You know, that, but that 911 call brought a shockingly quick, in my opinion these days, but much appreciated, rapid response by a member of the city's much beleaguered and unfairly criticized police department. But, but as previously asked, what can this poor man do? When the city administration, the local DA, have previously announced there will be no punishment for trespassing, public urination or defecation, and other crimes that they have deemed to be nothing more than petty crimes best handled by being not handled. Simply just be tolerated by tax-paying citizenry and ignored completely by the criminal justice system. Which petty crime now includes, I'm quite sure, threatening a tax-paying, law-abiding homeowner with a razor. I mean, even if I may be a grandfather. You know, that homelessness will not be addressed in any systemic fashion by the city. Nor crimes that follow homelessness, such as brandishing that razor, really is in fact criminal on the part of the city. For the, and for the most part in this country, the criminal justice system leaves law enforcement dealing with these kind of things in the hands of private citizens. This is not ideal for anybody, for the good guys or the bad guys, in fact. You know, Irish um, 
polemicist, playwright, George Bernard Shaw, once said something like, criminals do, do not die um, by the hands of the law. They die by the hands of other men. And I know George Bernard Shaw was not referencing the United States in toto or, or the city of Chicago in particular. Had he been, though, I might add, he, he'd have been right. This is the state of the state these days. So it, is, so it is best to always remember one must try to avoid putting oneself to the extent possible in a vulnerable, compromising position because you will soon find that in the USA, in the year 2023, one is alone to fend for oneself in our society. And you never know when either the mob or the law or the city administration or, or all of them might turn on you, making you the bad guy. You know, back to the homeless guy with the razor on my lawn. The governor won't address the matter, nor will the mayor. Neither will tackle the homeless problem because it requires guts, a moral code, and judgment. And these guys are politicians, and like medical marvels that they are, they have been born and live without either guts or a spine. But be assured, they are both big, powerful, important men. So embarrassing. I, I'd commit seppuku before living like these spineless wonders. And all the, all the police can do in such an environment is suggest that the guy who's sleeping on my lawn, wielding a waver, uh, uh, razor blade, who has just threatened me, that, that he, he consider moseying on down the road, which in my case, that is what he did. But from wherever he winds up, he'll no doubt again threaten, you know, and in some unfortunate turn of events, perhaps may even slice up some innocent citizen, some, some kid, some woman with, you know, or some citizen with incredibly bad luck to have encountered this vagrant wielding a razor blade with which the system will not deal. I, re I res for one, respect the police. It's not their fault that nothing can be done with this guy. The mayor, the city council, and bleeding hearts consider this violent offender just another valued member of our ever-shifting homeless community in need of protection. This guy's a vagrant. You know, not that we, families, children, senior citizens need protection from weapon-wielding homeless people, drug addicts, who think they're free to choose to hang out or just sleep on your property if they feel like it. You know, as, as believed Jean-Jacques Rousseau, this razor-wielding guy on my front lawn appears to have adopted the philosophy that no one should be entitled to own private property. He thinks my front lawn is subject to philosophical argument, debate. Well, I don't. I believe his position is a criminal issue. He apparently believes in a philosophical debate such as I suggest. He can deliver one of his points by wielding a weapon. You know, his main thrust supported at knife point. This primitive man, this natural man of Jean-Jacques Rousseau would, def would, would define him um, he does not appear to me to be a good man. 
He appears to me as, as he would to most civilized people. To be the kind of man that Hobbes was thinking about, pondering, when he wrote that a Leviathan would be constructed, put into place with the express authority to restrain a certain number of men who in their aberrant pursuit of their self-interest will abuse other men. Well, you know, I took speech and debate in high school, and, and I was actually on the debate team. But I was never taught by the Jesuit priest the best method of response in combating arguments posed against me at knife, at knife point. Who knows who might be sliced up next by this malcontent wielding a razor, whom it is obvious is not afraid to brandish it about in public either. Some law-abiding, tax-paying citizen or a child might get stabbed, sliced up. And post that trauma, there assuredly would be displays of empathy for the victim. But no bleeding hearts will, as a result, be so motivated uh, as to call for the removal of these guys from the neighborhood. No, they won't. While, While we don't know who might get stabbed, I'll bet this member of our homeless community, he knows damn well the criminal justice system will do nothing to punish him for his threatening behavior. And as Vonnegut said, and so it goes. Why? Why would, it, why would the homeless person feel this way? Because it has been determined by those misguided pathological altruists that he be provided superior rights to violate local laws and ordinances while you are not, and I am not, permitted to do so. He is a protected member of the community to be cherished. He's homeless. I'm not. He's sleeping on my front lawn, but so what? I pay taxes. He does not. So what? He is violent. I am not. So what? He's a drug addict. I am not. So what? (laughs) You know, I asked what Lenin once asked, uh, Vladimir, not John. What is to be done? What is to be done? Well, we must always be mindful that this cherished member, this vagrant, this member of our society, the guy with the razor blade, our hearts must bleed for him. That's a metaphor. But this homeless guy with the razor blade on my front lawn may turn me before it's all said and done into a literal bleeding heart. And this pisses me off. It really does. And and still, we're told we must feel empathy for this guy, for all of them, even though they ruin our communities. But wait, relying on Rousseau, superior intellect, industriousness, pursuit of all the sciences and arts, society's the problem. That's the essence of the problem. I must recognize I am the problem, not the homeless person. We are the problem. We are the corruption. Wow, is is this disturbing or not? Truly, the logic in all this escapes me. If, If I threatened ever, if I ever threatened someone with a knife, I'd like to believe I ought to be Um, finding myself dealing with the criminal justice system, the enforcement side of the criminal justice system. And I hope I'd be dealt with harshly if I were to threaten somebody with with a knife. 
Because I, because I want our community to be safe for all residents, for children, old women, everybody, all of us. But apparently, this is just me. And I must be one unsympathetic asshole. This, and this is not how progressives see things. No, they do not. Not in America's 100 largest cities anyway. You see, there are many progressives out there whom would, whom believe that this vagrant is a valued a valued member of our community whose behavior will not only be excused, but be promoted under some weird theory that capitalism has failed him and others like him, or that he might have been abused as a child, or have some other excuse that allows him to diminish all of our society, ruin entire cities. And we must just sit back and tolerate it, accept this as the new normal. It's not, un, it's not really unlike that joke that was told about, um, you know, Robert Mugabe and the, the, the people of Zimbabwe after Mugabe ruined in his entire nation over a 40-year rule. And when, they, when someone would say, hey, what energy source did, you know, you Zimbabweans use before relying on the candle? And the answer to the joke, Electricity. Well, I, I don't want to accept this indecency as the new norm. Why should we accept homeless ruining our entire community? And more confusing to me, at least, is why would we put up with this, this, this diminishment? Is this social justice in action? What are these social justice warriors doing? Well, murder. It's just a shot away, just a shot away. And we'll get back into the more violent aspects again soon. Hey, thanks for listening to this rant. Bye-bye. Excuse me, I apologize for cutting this uh, talk short. Apparently, there's a member, a valued member of our community who believes that my uh, yard is a public toilet. I'm going to have to go deal with that. Bye-bye. I am in a far-off place Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys And beautiful hills Each vista something new And though my imagination been captured my thoughts they return to you so can you help relieve me of this burden on my back there's something wrong deep inside of me or something I must like for I've got this worry of believing must admit that I'm scared So can you try